Hi, this is the Amnesty Youth Podcast. I'm Evie. And I'm Ari. And today we're going to be talking about the situation in Afghanistan and what's been currently happening and looking back on the history of the nation and how it's led up to the situation now and what, as Australians, we're doing to help the situation because it's deep and uh, it's very worsening right now deeply and so there is a lot of stuff we can do to help out um afghans so oh i think it's actually quite interesting as a you know youth podcast if we consider the fact that we're all quite young yeah you know we were born in 2006 and we didn't live through taliban's government yeah we were very far from the government of the taliban so we didn't really know what that was like but we did grow we grew up hearing horrible things about um the taliban yeah post 9 11 post 9 11 yeah so we know we know the Taliban's bad, and that's the, the youth knows that this is a bad thing happening. But it's so hard for us, the as youth especially, to have proper con- context without educating ourselves yeah. because we simply just didn't live through it like other events. And of course, that's important with all global events, but um, especially because this it predated us just by a few years. Mm. So I, again, just considering, obviously, if you educate yourself, it's very admirable. And of course, by first educating yourself, you need to know about the history of Afghanistan. Mm. So what can you tell us about the history of Afghanistan and how the Taliban kind of um, came to a prominent rise and starting with like British rule in Afghanistan, how did that kind of lead to the events nowadays? Well, you can definitely see that there's such a direct link between um, Afghanistan's history and especially from um, the British being a British protectorate more than about you know, 100 years ago. Um, there were Afghanistan and England went through the Anglo-Afghan wars. There are three mm. wars and this deeply drained Afghanistan's coffers, even though they're actually quite quite good at the wars. Like they mm. weren't a totally incompetent nation. Actually, before um, British rule, they were you know, generally seem to seeming to be a rising power. Um, so after um, after uh, Afghanistan uh, was released as a British protectorate, it came under the rule of a prime minister called General Muhammad Dayud Khan, who was an interesting character mm. because he he championed women's rights, which we all love. Um, and he you know, championed um, progress in many aspects of society. He was a little bit authoritarian. He allied himself with Nikita Khrushchev in the Soviet Union around 1953, and this is when he was around. Um, however, he created the Republic of, of Afghanistan in 1973, which had a lot of close ties with the USSR. And at this point, a few years later, in 1975, he created a constitution which um, guaranteed women's rights and worked to modernise Afghanistan as a, a communist state. Mm. Um, however, if you may think, oh, Khan sounds okay, don't get too fond of him because he was assassinated in 1978. Interesting. In a, in a communist coup. Okay. And it was declared independent from the USSR. Okay. Which is not, not good. And at this point, 1979, um, Afghanistan became um, was under the control of a... Um, a new government um, at this at this time, the Soviet um, Soviet Union came in there and declared war in Afghanistan to try and regain it back. And mm-hmm. at this point, terrorists called the Mujahideen really came to power. And this yeah. is where you can see the roots of the Taliban. And what I'm reading here is that the US primarily funded the uh, Mujahideen and that kind of like showed the links between the US having such big um, anti-communist like roots really and how they funded the Mohajadeen which was a anti-communist group um and which kind of led to the rising terrorism in Afghanistan so you can kind of see these early links between 
um, yeah, the US and um, kind of rising terrorism in Afghanistan and that kind of thing are a bit of a contributor. But what kind of happened from there on? Well, after the Mujahideen was very prominent, they ended up gaining control in 19, around 1995, like the mid 90s. Mm. Um, however, they were not very united. They were not, um, I mean, Mujahideen isn't even a terrorist group. It's just, it's just a word to describe like jihadist terrorists and who were anti-communist at the time. Um, so they they kind of took over government, but they weren't very united and it was, it was problematic mm. at best. So in 1995, the Taliban formed mm. as an, an Islamic militia who, took power and this was a, a, on, admittedly for the Afghanistan Afghani people a welcome change because they were a very united group and they did provide an, an element of stability yeah. even if you consider that it was authoritarian in nature. Yeah and that's interesting but then we can see in the mid-90s when there was kind of this like new feeling of you know it, like Afghanistan being a state which you know suppressed um female rights we couldn't see women go to school women had to wear the burqa outside they weren't um they weren't allowed to wear the hijab instead and so yeah women couldn't go to school women were now prominently being forced into marriages especially young girls so yeah we kind of can see this roll-on effect from you know the taliban's creation and their rule in the 90s and then kind of leading to like this really um not very stable kind of very um yeah, not very stable nation. And, but then we see the US invasion yeah. of Afghanistan. And it's actually interesting if you consider the US invasion, because at this point, the US recognised the Taliban as, as a legitimate government. Mm. They legitimised um, the Taliban. Um, one, some people argue that the US funded them because mm. they were so anti-communist. But again, even if that was true, it does display the lengths that the US yeah, would do. goes to to yeah, fight communism. To fight it's communism. unbelievable because they obviously recognised how terrible the Taliban regime was. Mm. So they, the international community saw the horrors in Afghanistan and didn't do much about it until, of course, it affected them. Yes. In classic. Yeah. And even then, yeah. the US actually um, did have some uh, military role in Afghanistan, a few just very small, because the Taliban uh, conducted airstrikes. Mm. And so if you can, like, the American um, military presence in Afghanistan, uh, in Afghanistan preceded 9-11, but again, that was still due to their own interests and nothing yeah. due to the horrors of the Taliban regime. Yeah, you're true, actually, in saying that once the US... Um, yeah, it started to affect the US and the home soil with the horrors of 9-11, that it was a bit of an ignored situation, what was happening in Afghanistan, where there was like sort of this mystique surrounding what was happening in Afghanistan before that, because they didn't, I don't know if they really knew what was happening with women's rights being suppressed and LGBTQ plus rights being suppressed. Um, and yeah, and all of a sudden there was sort of this new, like a US invading Afghanistan you know, we're going to um, help. Because it's George take. W. Bush and yeah. he's going like, I'm, you know, this patriotic guy. Yeah, patriotic guy. And so, yeah, as the US, we're going to... America. But we're also at the same time liberate the um, Afghan people. But again, he only thought to liberate them after it affects. So he, yeah. he was like, I'm going to kill two birds, one stone and actually do none of them. Not succeed. In, in, didn't, in, didn't succeed at all, actually. Yeah. Um, and of course, that was the legacy that many presidents after George W. Bush had to carry after. Yeah, him. it was the war in Afghanistan. It was the war in Afghanistan. Um, and this invasion, of course, we hear it as a 20-year invasion. And the reason why it's been mm. 
um, it's such a tragedy where we all know is because after 20 years of uh, military presence, mm. it's not amounted to really. Oh, it, and well, that was that's the thing one could argue it has amounted to much yeah. to a lot, but others can argue it hasn't. Well, that was kind of the really sad part about it was that we, you know, we're looking at these news articles and what was happening in the news it was like 20 years of fighting for nothing, mm. and it was kind of this like lost hope that you know once uh, the Taliban took back. Kabul and the president on Afghanistan fled to Pakistan. Or uh, Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan. Um, that yeah, there was sort of this like, oh, it was all for nothing type attitude. But do you really think it was all for nothing that the war in Afghanistan was a lost cause and was never gonna work properly? Well, obviously there's that's a big argument. That's one of the two big arguments um nowadays is first of all, you know, did did the US actually do much in the first place? And the yeah. second, which we'll get to later, is should the US have actually pulled out? Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that later. But the first being, did they actually do much? Now, many people argue that they did, especially in I'm sure I think Afghanistan civilian Afghan Afghani civilians mm. do argue that it did amount to to something because uh, women were like um, able to go to school yeah. and women were able to work and uh, there was a degree of liberation which didn't exist before but yeah. then again obviously the Taliban was still a threat from from the year 2000 to the year 20. Well it's interesting seeing those recent images of once the Taliban um, the presence has been reinstated in Kabul you've seen these images of um, adverts displaying women being yes. like, um, put away raised. raised because of the fact that the Taliban has come in and like um, you know, reinstated their rule, which is um, known for you know, suppressing women's rights. And that is interesting to see how there was sort of this newfound, um, yeah, more like liberalised culture maybe in Afghanistan, that they were allowed to have adverts of women in the streets. But now it's Taliban's been back and shown their presence again, that there has to be all raised and they have to go back to this rule, which is under yeah. very strict law. And they claim this is because they're following the law. Yeah. When in reality, many... Obviously, one cannot speak for the Muslim community unless they are. But many argue that they're not really following. It's, oh, it's such yeah. a radical version of the yeah. law that it's not even Islam at this point. It's, no, it's not. It's, again, it's putting a bad rep and yeah. the people who suffer, people still suffer in Australia because of that bad rep and all mm. over the, the world in Western countries. So, again, the Taliban's um, resurgence doesn't do, do, yeah. really doesn't do good for anyone. It's, except yeah, Taliban. it's completely... Um, does not do good but as we can see now they have reinstated their rule and they've taken back um the palace and they've yeah made a very showy appearance of themselves yes. being back and they've had press conferences and how has anything amounted out of these sort of press conferences what have we learned since the taliban's been back what have they said um well the taliban has said quite a bit they've mm. they've um they've held press conferences they've mm. let themselves known they still want international aid which is interesting actually if you consider um the central reserve funds which they cannot access now yeah. if you if you look at it because the taliban's are back into power they can't they can only access less than one percent of afghanistan's funds okay um public sector funds which is obviously not good because that means when they do get into power they'll be even worse um leaders than they they already have been i mean yeah. the public sector funding is going to be nil if they only have less than one percent of afghanistan's central reserve funds now this is also scary for another reason being that they do get funding they're not necessarily poor militia group but the reason why they aren't poor is because the ways of funding are totally illegal yeah it's kidnapping extortion so you know if we don't give aid there's the argument of course do we give aid and support the taliban which is a, a military group or do we yeah um do we 
with withhold aid 47 percent of afghanistan's population was in poverty because mm. they'd obviously struggle as a um, direct result of this but obviously if you still withhold aid then they might resort to these illegal ways of funding kidnapping and extortion again perpetuates the cycle of violence yeah which is not good either way it's not good either way completely and that is um that's something which the uh the taliban wants they do want international funding again that yeah. is to the international community as to whether they'll give that funding they've also also mentioned um, that they will restore women's rights mm. in within Islamic law. Again, they interpret that as a yeah, very radical as they will. And it's interesting because there have been reports of women and girls in other provinces of Afghanistan, not Kabul, who have been married to Taliban uh, members, and they're actually they're not keeping to their word properly um yeah by breaking like what they've had these new claims um the spokesperson for taliban uh mujahid um he's like a spokesperson and he claimed that there is a big difference between us and the taliban 20 years ago um and that's when female afghans were beaten in the street they were publicly executed denied work and health care um whereas now they're saying that we can give women these rights you know we, we do see women um as a part of our community now but um, yeah, they're claiming that they want women to be part of the new government, but to what extent do we actually see this really carried out? They can say all these, they can say all these stuff and they can claim all these things, but until we actually see them being carried out, what can we really take out of that? If that makes sense, because as we can see in other provinces, there have been reports of them breaking the claims that they've told the what told the whole world. So is it actually really going to be effective? at all so we, we can see that yet yeah, the Taliban actually is something we should be fighting against because they are not a trustworthy group and they bring a lot of um, pain to the country of Afghanistan. Now tell us more about the future of the, of, um, the Taliban because obviously in the, the 90s the Taliban yeah. regime meant a few and it looks like a few things and it looks like um, women were required to wear um, all co coverings across their entire body. Yeah. Men were required to grow beards. Um, TV, music and cinema were banned. Um, girls over 10 were dis uh, discouraged to go to school. Yeah. Um, they destroyed cultural statues um, and it's argued that they were funded by the US and Pakistan. Will any of these uh, these horrible things change? And of course, if you actually consider it, um, if anyone broke any of these laws, then they would be publicly executed yeah. or amputated. So yeah. do, will this change? Um, there, you know, there has been uh, a bit of discussion about, you know, as Afa mentioned that, yeah, that is, there is a big difference between us and the Taliban 20 years ago that we actually have progressed and we've seen um, what is better for us is like being a prosperous group and bringing um, support to the nation in their eyes. But um, like there's a lot of fear about the Taliban in the nation of Afghanistan because there is still this remembrance of what happened 20 years ago. They remember the public executions and they remember the fear. And so there is not much belief that the Taliban has changed that much at all. So, you know, people are still um, waiting very carefully in what they can and cannot do. And um, there, yeah, there is a lot of fear about the public. So I don't think... Um, that there will be this new kind of Taliban. Um, the new is, Taliban. The new Taliban, which is more liberalised and which is more, you know, you can do what you want under the boundaries, boundaries of Islamic law and Sharia law. Which is, um, of course, very, um, one can argue, misinterpreted. Yeah, misinterpreted by the Taliban, um, definitely. So, yeah, we can kind of see that they're promising one thing, that this will be this new nation and that, you know, we're very different and... Um, you know, we can, you know, women can go to work and people can have a more um, 
balanced lifestyle um, in, you know, in their eyes. But again, there's such a big, um, yeah, fear of what happened 20 years ago when there was, it was a really corrupt state. It's hard to believe that they could change. Completely hard to believe. So they're, yeah. And it's, it brings us to the next argument is that, you know, uh, does the promise of this uh, regime, which is not improved, does it beg for the need of uh, resurgence by the US military and other mm, Western militaries? And should Biden have, a, have continued the withdrawal of US troops? Yeah. Is he responsible? Who is responsible? Who is, is, responsible? It, is it George W. Bush yeah. 20 years ago? Is it Trump who ordered the um, withdrawal of troops or is it Biden for continuing to do it? even if one could argue he knew the consequences? I don't. I, I don't think anyone can answer that question no because I think, yeah, there is a lot of shared blame. I think the US gets a lot of it. A lot of They do get blame a lot of blame for it. But they should. To be fair, they caused a lot of the issues, but in a, you know, in that way. But, yeah, I think that, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to share the blame for anyone. But, yeah, I think maybe the Western, uh, the Western presence in Afghanistan it is interesting because it did cause a lot of problems uh, in a way, but also again, like peacekeeping really helped stabilize um, what Afghanistan did help like, completely stabilize the nation. So, you know, there was probably um, some benefit, and it, yeah, as you said, like women probably felt more secure having this um, Western presence in the nation because of the peacekeeping operations. So that I could argue that Western presence is still very oppressive. It's exactly. still quite neo-colonialist. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It's, it's an, an incredibly nuanced issue. Yeah, because at the time, um, I, I think it was Obama. I think who in, in 2014 um, allowed for um, the Afghan military to have more control over their or their issues with the Taliban, and that was when I mean one could argue that Obama was actually the one who began. The withdrawal most yeah. people would actually pin the initial withdrawal on him so do, you know obviously do we let the afghan military take uh, care of the taliban considering the lack of resources in yeah. comparison to the us there it does can the western community do much at all without being pulled into a range of ethical issues i mean that's interesting because we've um we've seen australia recently been helping evacuation efforts in afghanistan which is um great for them to be doing but as you've seen they're they've denied um asylum to people like um translators um because they have had previous ties to the taliban and so yeah it's interesting to see um yeah we've had australia helping out and as you've seen trent zimmerman a member for north sydney been um helping an afghan family relocate to australia and we, we do have some efforts from um, local MPs. Yeah, local MPs really trying to help the effort. And I, I think it really shows that like what, what we can do on ground. Yeah, 100%. You know, we can only we can only help what's going on here. And I think, yeah, staying more educated. I think moving on to what we can do to help. Yeah. Staying more educated, I think definitely what we should be doing without, you know, it's a very um depressing situation what's Absolutely. happening in Afghanistan. But I think if you stay on top of things and you know stay educated. Stay educated, then I think there is a lot of benefit um in helping what's going on whilst also supporting local mps and people who yeah. actually do have contacts um with the defense office um yeah. those who know people who worked i mean obviously mps are the ones who know those who worked in the um afghan and the australian embassy in afghanistan and they are the ones who primarily are given visas to live here in australia mm. they're the only they're essentially the only people who australia is offering asylum to are those who 
benefited Mr. Elliot. Mm. Classic situation. Yeah. Um, but again, they're the only people who at the moment are willing to help. Yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, we have seen that. I think it is probably good that we do have local MPs here and um, on the ground doing their best to um, be in contact with uh, Afghan families. Yeah. Which is, again, very interesting. Um, what else you can do um, on ground uh, as a young person in Australia? Mm. Obviously, be, be nice to any um, communities. You yeah. Have Afghan communities in Australia. Yeah, be yeah. conscious of that, of, um, of supporting communities on the ground and, um, yeah. Showing compassion and kindness. Showing compassion, being very wary. And I, I think of, yeah, what one says and... Um, the situation what's going on over there and I think there's a lot of things we could do um, in terms of donation donation support but again that also begs the question where does this donation go is it just going to the Taliban is it funding their regime again it's a whole host of ethical issues yeah, it's which definitely. is so hard to discern yeah especially um, so um quick after the conflict actually happens it was only a couple yeah. weeks ago that the Taliban retook Kabul and so we've got to see how the situation plays out further but I do think that you know, things they could do to help in the immediate situation. Um, yeah, I think just staying conscious of what's happening and showing compassion yeah. to Afghan communities. Regardless, you've educated yourself, so you should be very, very proud that you've taken the compassion to uh, know about world events and what those are going through. Thank you for listening to the Voices of Amnesty podcast. Um, next week, you'll hear about refugees yes. and um, those interacting with refugees. It was great talking. Great, thank you.